Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. You know, most of us desire and we seek for God's will to discover it and to live in it. You know, especially this time of year for younger people. This time of year, graduations are getting ready to go on. High school students are seeking the will of God. Lord, where do you want me to go to school? Where do you want me to, do you want me to go? Do you want me to go to college at all? Do you want me to go to a trade school? Do you want me to go to a community college? Do you want me to go to a university? And then if you choose to and you know that that's the Lord's will, which one do you want me to go to? And what does my major, what is God's will for my life? If you're a college student getting toward the end of your college career, then you're saying, Lord, where is it that you have for me? I need a job. Where, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to live? Where will you open the door for me? All of us at times in our life, for, for students this time of year especially, and then all of us at times throughout our life, we're seeking God's will. We want to discover it, and we want to live in God's will. In the Old Testament, we read passages that tell us things, and you've heard me preach about this, about about those Psalms of Ascension, going up to Jerusalem, going up to the temple, going up to Mount Zion. We read about those things, and because of weak and incorrect American theology, we've come to believe that it's God's will for us always to go up, to move up to go to the next level, that, that if it's God's will, it has to mean more money in our pockets. If it's God's will, it has to mean something more comfortable for us. If it's God's will, it has to be moving up more fame, more popularity, more, more notoriety. But I've come this morning to ask you, what if there are times in God's divine, supernatural, perfect will, and his always is, somebody say Amen. What if there are times in his will that we are not to go up, but we're to go down? Now, if Stephen Furtick had said that at his church, I could see the people and they'd be, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. They'd be turning around, wow. I'm reminded, I miss Brother Timmerman already. And one thing that in our household we always used to just enjoy from Brother Larry Timmerman was he always had a good wow. Anybody remember Brother Timmerman's wow? And so this morning, in honor of him, I'm just going to give myself a Larry J. Timmerman wow. What if, what if there are times that in God's will that we're not supposed to go up but that we're supposed to go down. Now, don't misunderstand me because I know that in biblical terms, many times Egypt represents the world and Egypt represents sin, but that's not in the context that I'm looking at it here. How many of you know it's never God's will for you to go back into the world or for you to go back into sin? But sometimes I believe in our mind, what if it's not his will that we get at that promotion or we get more money or we get more stuff? What if it is his will that we go down. What if the next level he has for us is not that proverbial move up, but yet it is a move 
down. This is not the only time that we see this in the Scripture because in the book of Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. In case you don't know it, I want to let you know that Joseph that we're talking about that I just read about in Matthew was Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. And the, the, the Lord had sent an angel to speak to Joseph in a dream and say, take Mary and take Jesus and go to Egypt. That's where you're going to stay a little while because Herod is looking to kill that baby and it's not his time to die. So if you're taking notes, I want to look first of all at this. We must sometimes go down to Egypt and be humbled for God to work how he wants. I will say it one more time. We must sometimes go down to Egypt and be humble for God to work how he wants. You know, I've said this many times. I, I probably haven't said it as much here, but over the years I've said it. And I believe that the reason, you know, people say, why don't we see miracles like we used to? Why don't we see those kinds of things anymore like we used to? And my answer, I believe, is because we don't need them, or at least we think we don't. We rely so much on medicine. You know, I've heard stories even, not quite in my lifetime, but in my lifetime I've heard stories of generations, just generations before me, where emergency rooms weren't so accessible, where doctors and medicines weren't so accessible. And there's a few in this service that you probably can remember those times where these things weren't quite as accessible. And probably some of you may have had mamas and daddies and they couldn't call the doctor. It was just one doctor, a very rural, rural area, and the doctor couldn't always get to you. And there were times, even here in our nation, just in the last hundred years, where there wasn't an ER and there wasn't getting the doctor and there wasn't modern medicine like we had. The only thing that you could do was lay your hands on your sick child, was lay your hands on your sick spouse, was Get out the oil and pray and believe God to do the miraculous. Why don't we, why don't we see the miracles anymore? Because we, we've got modern medicine. We've got government aid. We've got so much stuff that, that nowadays that we seem to think we don't even have to have the Lord anymore. I look in Revelation chapter 3. If you would, turn with me there. I want you to see this in Revelation chapter 3. Verse 14, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14, we find where I believe that we are. This is not a study. I just did that with the youth. This is not a study on the book of Revelation, but when you study the book of Revelation and you find the seven churches of Asia Minor at that time, that many scholars, people way smarter than me, and I tend to agree with them, look at the ages that the church has gone through. And I believe that the age that we are in right now in the church is the church of Laodicea age. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. 
I've acquired wealth. I do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. You see, we find that the church of Laodicea, they were spiritually lukewarm, and they were so materially rich that they thought that everything was okay. And let's just be honest here, especially in the United States, we tend to look at people, and we tend to think if they pull up in a nice car, or if they live in a nice enough neighborhood, or they're wearing nice enough clothes, and they've got the latest technology, we tend to think they've got everything all under control. They seem to have their life completely together. Why? Because we have come to associate material wealth with spiritual wealth. But can I tell you, brothers and sisters, I've been privileged to travel into some other countries and find some people living in some places that many of us would never want to live in, but yet they were some of the most spiritually mature and spiritually powerful powerful people. We can look back on the past, even of this church, and see how back years ago, how many had so much less than we have now, had so much less material possession, and yet they had a relationship with God. Laodicea had come to the place that they thought because they had a lot of stuff that everything was okay, and God wanted to open their eyes so that they could see exactly where they were. Psalm 51 and 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Joseph, Jacob's son, needed to be humbled for God to use him like he wanted because God never uses people that might want to take the credit themselves. I'm reminded of Joseph. I'm reminded of God gave him dreams. They were dreams, and they were dreams from God, but Joseph didn't know how to handle those dreams. All Joseph knew was a life of favor. All Joseph knew was a life of he was the favorite of his daddy, and his daddy gave him everything he wanted. He, he walked around in a coat of many colors representing the favor, and God needed to do something in Joseph's life. He needed to bring him down a few notches before he could ever use him, and I'm telling you, that's why when we read in the Bible, that's why God likes to use little shepherd boys named David that were the most unlikely candidates. That's why he liked to take Joseph. He was favored, but he made him go to the pit. He made him go into Sir Potiphar. He made him go to the prison before God would ever raise him up. Can I remind you, brothers and sisters, that God is in the business of taking those that seem to don't have everything together and raising them up so that he will be the one that receives all the glory. Secondly, sometimes God takes us to Egypt for it to be our place of provision. This is wild to think about. But there was a famine in Israel and the entire known world, and God was taking Jacob there to provide for him so that he and his lineage could be preserved. 
The, one of the reasons why God was taking Jacob there was because there was a famine. There was a need, and he was going to take him and his family there to take care of their Needs. You see, God had already taken his son Joseph there. He had already gone by way of pit and prison and the palace. But now God was taking Jacob there, but God had taken Joseph there already so that he could begin to prepare the provision. Remember that Joseph had interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh, that, that Joseph had said, here's what's going on, Pharaoh. These lean cows, they, this all means that there's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And now they had already begun the seven years of famine. But because God had used Joseph already, there were, Egypt was the only place that had grain. Egypt was the only place that had provision because God had already sent him there. Can I just stop for just a second and tell somebody, God, may send you to a place that doesn't seem ideal at first because he's going to prepare provision for you and for your family. Either God will provide for you when he takes you down to Egypt or he'll provide for you before you get there. Either way, he will always provide for you wherever he takes you. You see, for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, God provided before the trip. You see, where I read from you in the book of Matthew chapter 2, what had just happened was that those three wise men had just left. I know it's not Christmas. I know it's warming up. But just come on, take your minds back there if you can. Those three wise men, what had they done? They had come to worship Jesus, and they brought what? They brought gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh now how many of y'all have moved here recently anybody you moved recently or you can even remember a move come on anybody move i've moved within the last couple years it's been just a little over two years now there's something about moving moving is expensive come on somebody there's moving expenses it costs to move and especially if you don't have a job somewhere else and you try to relocate so here we find that in the case of jacob and his son joseph god sent joseph ahead of time to provide so that when he got there it was already taken care of but in the case of Joseph and Mary and Jesus God sent three wise men that showed up at their house that same night and brought expensive gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh and that very night the angel said get up and take your wife had the angel come a night before Joseph would have said I can't even afford it I don't even have a job but God had already sent the provision to be able to take care of the move that they would face. For Jacob, God provided in Egypt for the immediate famine, and not just that, but for the exodus that would occur 430 years later where they would come out with riches. Read about it. When the exodus happens, they come out with all kind of riches. Read about it. The Bible says the Egyptians were giving them their jewelry, giving them all kinds of riches. Now, y'all aren't going to amen to this. Y'all been pretty quiet this morning already, so I'm not expecting an amen. But think about it this way. Sometimes God's doing something that's coming. He's preparing you and preparing the way for stuff that's coming way on down the road. 
God was providing for them. We can only see and only think so far ahead. But God Almighty was looking 430 years ahead of time and saying, Jacob, I see your great, 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 great grandkids. And I'm beginning to, I'm taking you here to Egypt. And I'm preparing something for them. God, please help me. I don't know how much longer we've got on this planet. But don't let me be so short-sighted that I'm not also looking to provide for my kids, to provide for my grandkids. Lord, help me to not be so short-sighted that all I care about is me and right now. But I've got to begin to prepare to make sure that they have a spiritual inheritance as well. Egypt became an incubator to prepare his people to take the promised land. Now, I know that as far as we look at it, you know, it was a man and his 12 sons, and it would seem that that was a small group to us. Many of us, people like me with just two kids, say, hey, that's a pretty big bunch there. But really, it was small compared to what 430 years later, they would come out as millions. You see, you going down to Egypt very well may be the incubator to prepare you to take the promises that he has for you. What you're going through, what you feel like, what you feel like. Remember what I told you. We always think we're supposed to be going up. We always think that God's will. Hey, he's, I'm going up higher. I'm going up. I'm taking, I'm taking things, but sometimes God's will may actually be, I'm going to have to take you down just a little bit, but he may be taking you down to prepare you to take you back up higher than you've ever been before. Amen. Come on, y'all can praise the Lord at 9 o'clock this morning. Third, you can end up going down to Egypt very quickly. The wise men left. God appeared to Joseph in a dream and told him to go that very night. And he wakes up in the night, and they head out to Egypt. You know, too often we take the warnings of God too lightly, and we don't respond with urgency. Now, I know that, listen, there's a difference between worry and warning. Come on, somebody. There's a difference between worry and warning. Worry is just the flesh. Worry is the devil. Worry is unnecessarily allowing anxiety and things to get on you when God says, I've got you and I've taken care. Warning is the Lord is telling you, you better watch out for something. And too often we take warnings of God too lightly and we don't respond with the urgency that it deserves. Now, I don't want you to answer out loud, but how many of you can say, I've, been, I've had some kind of warning from God before? might not have been an angel in a dream. It might have been just something that you knew, something that you maybe it was you, maybe it was your family, maybe it was your children, your grandchildren, but you had a warning, and you, you knew it was God. You see, one minute they're at home with their divine child that has been worshipped by shepherds and angels and recognized by ministers at the temple as the Redeemer, and they've been visited by foreign royalty who bring them expensive gifts, but then the very next minute, they're on the run in the middle of the night to a foreign land. You see, sometimes it may be a slow journey, but many times it's a midnight dash. Many times it's a single phone call that in a moment turns your life upside down and takes you 
down to Egypt. Many times it's a doctor's report that you weren't expecting. I've got to be honest that I, you know, I really came to this because I know so many people, I, I, so many people are going through so many different things right now. It seems as though burdens are heavy. They don't mind because they called and asked me, but former members of mine at Bethalto, they actually have moved to Arkansas now, and they've called and asked that we put them, put him on our prayer list, and he went to the doctor. He actually had, they had had a wreck in Little Rock, and seatbelt and harm and so he goes to the doctor thinking that the seatbelt has done some harm and he gets in and they tell him that he's got pancreatic cancer and at first he thought the way it seemed it seemed as though it was going to be a tumor on his pancreas and it seemed like that there was going to but just this past week he called me and he said they now that they've done the stud the pet scan they've gone in and now it's not just a tumor on my pancreas, but it's moved into my liver and cancer is all in my body. You see, sometimes things can happen instantly. Eric Rich in this morning, how he's been reading in Job, sometimes how it happens with Job. I mean, Job, go back and read it. Job was there and it's like one bad thing. One bad report couldn't get good and gone before the next bad report came in. One minute, life is nice and normal and comfortable, and the next you find yourself in a strange, uncomfortable place that you never thought that you would be. Jacob, it was a little more of a process for Jacob as Joseph had already left and his sons had gone back and forth until he finds himself in a strange land of Egypt. For, for Joseph and Mary and Jesus, it was a midnight dash. One minute they've had all of this divine things, the angels, the shepherds, the wise men, and the next minute it's midnight and they're running for their lives to a strange land. But listen, because here's some of the most important part of it here. My point number four. And I made you, I wanted you to stop and listen to this as we read it out of our text. If God takes you down to Egypt, he will always bring you out. <laughs> I want to read that again to you, verse 3. He said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you in a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again. Can I tell you that Israel came out of Egypt? It took 430 years, but they came out. It took slavery, making bricks for Pharaoh, but they came out. It took plagues of lice and hail and darkness for three days, frogs, water into blood, flies, boils, locusts, death of livestock, and the death angel visiting all the firstborn of the land unless the blood had been applied, but God brought them out. It took God raising up a stuttering murderer to lead them out but God brought them out in Exodus 12 and 31 during the night Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said up leave my people you and the Israelites go worship the Lord as you have requested I need to let you know that just as quickly as you went in that God can turn the situation around and in the middle of the night God got them out of Egypt just as quickly as they went in God can and still bring you out. Somebody give him praise. 
Joseph, Mary, and Jesus came out of Egypt. People way smarter than me say that they were there for it could have been anywhere from three to eight years, but they came out. They had to remain until the death of King Herod, but they came out. Sometimes God takes you to Egypt until he gets some people out of your way, but they came out. Oh, come on, that's another one that Ferdick said it. Everybody would have, wow, yes. <laughs> sometimes there's some people trying to stand in the way of what God wants you to do, and sometimes you got to go to Egypt and wait until God gets them out of the way. Somebody say amen. Joseph, the son of Jacob, he came out of Egypt. Genesis 50, 24 through 26. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. I told y'all this is probably not going to make you shout, but I just want to remind you of how God's time is different than our time and how God's promises are always yes and amen. God told his father, Jacob, he said, I'm going to bring you out. And Joseph held on to that promise. He said, I'm not going to be in Egypt forever. And sure enough, after 430 years, in Exodus 13 and 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath, and he said, God will surely come to your aid. Then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. I need you to know you might forget, but God never forgets. It may take longer than you think it should, but if God has promised you something, God will bring it to pass. He said if you go down to Egypt, you don't have to stay there forever. I will bring you out. I'm almost done if the musicians would come. You know, just in all of this representation, I also find a representation of this world. You know, old timers, we used to sing a lot about it a lot in those old songs. This world is not my home. I'm only passing through. I'm going to be heading to Canaan land. You see, one day, one day the Lord promised we're not going to have to stay in Egypt. And I'm not even talking about just our spirit. I'm talking about these old bodies. Job prophesied about it. He said, in my flesh, I will see the Lord. Then later on, Paul writing to the Thessalonians, clarified it a little bit. He said, for the Lord himself would ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and what? The dead in Christ will rise first. 
You see, when that last trumpet sounds and Jesus steps out on the clouds to rapture his church, the first ones to go are the dead in Christ. You So even though their spirits had been with them for however long they had died until that point, because to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. But in that moment, just as the Lord promised, I may take you down to Egypt, but you're not going to have to stay there forever. I'm surely going to bring you out. There's coming a day, brothers and sisters, that the trumpet's going to sound. Now my bones, my flesh may be rotted off. My bones may have even been decayed. When that last trumpet sounds, no matter what condition this old earthly body may be in, through the miracle-working power of the Creator, oh, come on, we see it in Ezekiel. When he goes out into the valley of dry bones and there's just bones scattered around, and he said, prophesy to those bones. And the Bible said they started shaking, rattling, and bones starting to get coming together. Flesh and sinews and muscles began to come on them. When that trumpet sounds, my body, you're whoever dead in Christ. No matter what condition they may have died in, they may have been burned in fire. It doesn't matter. The miracle-working power of God, when that trumpet sounds, bones will come together, flesh will come back on, and we will see him. We'll leave this Egypt and go to our promised land with him. Stand with me and give God praise if you believe that here today. Yes. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise if you believe it. Give him praise if you know that this is not our final destination. <laughs> I told you. It seems as though there have been so many people carrying so many burdens lately. Many are here. You're going through some stuff. I told you, and I want, if, if you've got time, that my former member, John Payton, I'm careful. I want you to know this. I'm careful about people and, and your information and your health stuff. I don't get up and say stuff and, and let people know your business is your business until you tell me to tell it. But he asked me, pray for John Payton. Would you do that? And maybe, maybe there's some here. And you found yourself, you feel like you've gone down to Egypt. You feel like you are in a place, and you're like, why, God? Why, God? Why am I here? I want to remind you. I want to remind you one more time. I know I've read it, but I want to read it again because I want you to hear this. Chapter 46 and verse 4. In fact, Adrian, if you could you put that up there one more time? Verse 4 of the, of the text. I want you to see this. And I will, sure, go back just a little bit to the beginning of verse 4. I will go down to Egypt with you. Next slide there. And I will surely bring you back again. 
If you got to go down to Egypt, you're not going alone. He said, I'm going to go with you. He never said you wouldn't have to walk through some tough places. That's why David wrote, Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He said, I'll go with you, and I will bring you out again. It's not forever. It's just for a season. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just nobody looking around for a second. If you could be still, we still got plenty of time. Just 10.01. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you do a great and a mighty work here. Lord, I believe. I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe, God, that you want to do something great in these altars here today. So, Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. And God, they feel like they've gone down to Egypt. Let them be reminded today, number one, they are not alone. If you've called them to go down to Egypt, you are with them. Lord God, also that while they're there, there's a reason and a purpose, and we may not ever see it. And there may be fulfillment 430 years later, but there's a reason. And also that they're not there to stay. For you said, just like you were going with us, you would also bring us out. It's not forever. The season will end. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.